Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Everyone is off to a great start to the week. How's everyone doing? Um, Immediately after last week's show, Barbara called and said, if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Alice, you ain't going to make it with anyone anyhow. So I spent uh, a few days at a cultural re-education summer camp and I learned the Alice analogy was stupid. I was I was pretty dumb to say that. So uh I didn't realize what a detriment I was to myself. So as part of my penance, I have to broadcast from a smart autonomous zone and I've retained two lawyers who will also be keeping me as a parishioner at St. Clement Danes. Uh, We've been inundated with conflicting information on a daily basis. Uh, might be more like a minute-to-minute basis uh, for the last six months. We, what believe, whom are we to believe what is real? Uh, what are the consequences as we go into the new normal? Uh, these are very valid questions to ask, and it is irresponsible not to look for answers. Some answers may already be clearly stated in the Constitution, hence our two legal guests tonight. Uh The opinions we express are not necessarily those of Nightlight and the other hosts, but let's have a reasonable discussion of what is impacting all of us. Michael Hall is returning. He is the paranormal lawyer and the host of Spaced Out Sundays on spacedoutradio.com. 
Uh, Tina Foster is here, too, and she is the author of Plastic Maca, and she will be returning on Wednesday, July 8th for a discussion of that book. Uh, you can see Tina and Michael on the Conspiracy Club Salon YouTube and Facebook channels. So, uh, hi, Tina and Michael. How, how are you two doing? Doing great. Hey, Good. I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you for having us on here. Two paranormal lawyers all in one show. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Wait, can you explain? <laughs> can you explain the Alice term and Alice reference you made? Oh, um, it was from last week's show where I said uh, Barbara's going to be playing Alice from the Brady Bunch. Yes, Barbara doesn't want to play Alice from the Brady Bunch. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we I, I heard about that after the show. Um, and uh, Tina, your is your plastic maca based on a novel by a man named Lear? <laughs> it's not a novel. It's a factual <laughs> researched. Um, I know about ten years worth of research in that book. So, and, and it's well documented. Thanks. Very interesting book, and I'm looking forward to uh, having you uh, return in what uh, about two three weeks to uh, review the book with you. It, it's uh, r- really interesting looking at the. Um, that's not really a theory that Paul McCartney died uh, while he was a member of the Beatles. So it's, it's a fascinating subject. So. Um, oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, it, uh, you, you provide compelling information. So uh, yeah, we're gonna have a good time. Good. And yeah, you and Michael. Live in Washington. Uh, yeah, uh, the near. The, yeah, the same town. <laughs> okay. We live very. We're neighbors, actually. We live in the same small town. Okay, and you're uh, close enough to Chaz uh, to. Give us some insights into what's going on there. And I have some legal questions uh, as we get into this discussion. But uh, you're much closer than I am. Uh, What's going on in Chaz? And Barbara just told me that uh, it's already been renamed. So, uh, but, But what's going on there? Well, well, you know, it's it's, uh, it's called a, I guess it's called CHOP now, uh, and I'm not okay. exactly sure what the uh, OP stands for, but it was, uh, you know, the Capitol Hill uh, Autonomous Zone was CHAZ, and now it's Capitol Hill Autonomous maybe property. I, I can't remember. I think it's organized protest. Organized protest. Okay, thank you, Tina. 
Um, and that was, that just happened like today, I think, or yesterday. They just changed it for some reason. So uh, even the, the groups that are there are um, a very not autonomous group. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's a very interesting group of folks uh, that literally um, the powers that be out here in the Seattle area, uh, the mayor and the governor, uh, have decided to just allow a group to take over uh, a historic section of, of downtown Seattle called Capitol Hill. Uh, and it's just uh, pretty much uh, anything goes there uh, for the last uh, oh three or four uh, days to a week. Uh, and I, I think at one point there's going to be a uh, uh, either a breaking point where uh, there will be some uh, law, uh, law uh, restored, or uh, it will just peter out over the next uh, week or so. I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Okay, uh, Tina, uh, do you have any idea of the population of CHOP? No, but I think it's reduced from six or seven square blocks to about three square blocks now. But I heard that Seattle is giving them a fire station now. Um, I did look into some of the legal issues surrounding this insurrection. And okay. um, one of the things I came upon was a post-Civil War case, Supreme Court case called Texas v. White from 1868, and it's basically about whether Texas had the right to secede from the Union. And that was actually mm-hmm. one of the underlying questions um, in the case. And it basically said, no, no state may secede once you're in the Union. It's, uh, it, you're in, and that's pretty much it. Um, they uh, said that... Um, Whatever actions the Texas legislature took while it was part of the Confederacy were null and void and had no legal effect. So Texas remained a state during the whole of the Civil War. And um, so, I mean, I know we're not talking about a state trying to secede, uh, Washington isn't, but just to, it might be apropos to a an insurgency trying to um, create a separate state, or actually in their case they're trying to form a separate country. Um, Mm -hmm. So then, okay, so that case dealt with secession, and then, of course, the president could go in into Texas post-Civil War and restore the Republican form of government because every state is guaranteed a Republican form of government under the Constitution. And so, yeah, so then Article 1, Section 8 says the the Congress shall have power to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. Article 3, Section 3 deals with, well, treason. Um, They're not exactly levying war against the Union or the United States. Um, I don't know that they would be capable of doing that, so I'm not not sure how that would fit in. But um, in Article 1, Section 9 says that the privilege of the writ of habeas corpus could actually be suspended in this case in case of rebellion. So um, also Article 1, I'm sorry, Article 4, Section 3 um, says that, 
Well, I, I did talk about how states couldn't be formed, um, but they're not trying to form a state. So what is actually implicated here is the guarantee clause of Article 4, Section 4, and it says the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government and so and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive uh, when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. Now, um, Dr. Pigeon, who is a mutual friend of Michael's and, and, my, and me, he was explaining that the Republican form of government is a government that is um, it's governed by the Constitution and it makes a tripartite dispersion of power between executive, legislative, and judicial branches. And so now he was talking about it insofar as the governor was going um he was exceeding his authority as far as he was doing the lockdown orders and um basically committing unconstitutional acts prohibiting free travel and the right to work and all that which we can discuss with the lockdown but it's it's implicated okay. because in this case um the states uh, since they're guaranteed this Republican uh, uh, form of government, and right now um, Washington is not squelching this insurrection, so it would be possible in this case to invoke the Insurrection Act of 1807. And the president, at first he would have to publish a pro- proclamation ordering the insurgents to disperse, but after that, there's uh, 10 U.S. Code Section 253 that says the president could use the militia or the armed forces or both to take and take all such measures that he consider, considers necessary to suppress in a state any insurrection, domestic violence, unlawful combination, uh, or conspiracy if it so hinders the execution of the laws of that state and of the United States within the state that any part or class of its people is deprived of a right, privilege, immunity, or protection named in the Constitution and secured by law, and the the constituted authorities of that state are unable, fail, or refuse to protect that right, privilege, or immunity, or to give that protection or opposes or obstructs execution of the laws of the United States or impedes the course of justice under those laws. So basically what, what I'm seeing here is that since the Washington state officials are basically refusing to quell this domestic violence and this insurrection that the president should probably go in because the people in that um, Capitol Hill area, they're having to suffer from um, extortion. People are demanding money for them to operate in that area and the police aren't allowed to come in. So the people are being deprived of their rights under the Constitution, and the Washington state government is doing nothing about it. Okay. Uh, Michael, you're a also a lawyer and judge. What, you know, with all the information that Tina just gave us, that uh, <laughs> citizens are uh, being given like a shakedown, you know, the 
governments not really doing anything. What are you as a taxpayer allowed to do? Can you stop paying yeah. money that goes to uh, you know, fund the firehouse within the three-block area? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, the the real uh, story behind this whole thing, Mark, is that and, and Tina was very erudite when she uh, uh, cited the law, the constitutional, you know, uh, violations that are going on right now uh, under our noses here uh, in in a civilized city like the Seattle area. It's just amazing to think. Um but the real bottom line story is that the uh, the powers that be here in our uh, political uh, area, uh, it looks like the mayor and obviously the governor, are uh, standing down and allowing this to proceed. Uh, you can excuse, you know, uh, you can excuse uh, the uh, political authorities of maybe being caught off guard on something like this. Uh, obviously, people have been locked down for months. Uh, a lot of frustrations have been happening, you know, and then, of mm-hmm. course, there's the uh, the issue of um, the violence in the street precipitated by, um, you know, uh, the police and the activities that have been happening in uh, certain cities across the country. God forbid not all of them. Uh, but uh, then again, there's uh, just this example uh, that uh, they they get an inch and then they get to uh, also – take the mile along with it without any repercussions, and then it kind of grows from there. So I think the real story here is uh, who is colluding with who in allowing this stuff to uh, grow and to continue, Uh, because it just doesn't make any sense that lawlessness should be reigning in the streets in uh, a very old, um, uh, staid community uh, like Capitol Hill, which is kind of changing, obviously, over the years. But this is uh, not very far from really the downtown area that everybody would go to work and shop. And, and uh, it's a, a longstanding neighborhood in Capitol Hill. So um, that's what we need to ask the questions of. And I've been real uh, kind of uh, disappointed, let's put it that way, in uh, the local um, – not law enforcement, because I believe law enforcement is being directed to do or not do things. Uh, but there have been a real lack of uh, political will to stand up to what's going on here in, in our city. Um, I think that President Trump would also be within his rights to call upon the emergency or the National Emergencies Act uh, codified at 50 U.S.C. sections one, uh, 1601 to 51. So um, actually I don't even think that they would have to have any sort of tear gas or rubber bullets or anything to put this down. Uh, they could just simply cut supply lines. But see, they're pandering, they're pandering to the demands of the violent protesters. See, everybody has a, a right to peaceably assemble under the First Amendment, but this is not peaceful. Okay. Yeah, so, especially when they're especially when they're carrying uh, AK-47s and extorting uh, money from the local business owners just to stay in business. Um, it's pretty pretty lawless there. 
Yeah, there are talking people who there was a, a patriot walking around down there with a, an American flag, and they were basically assaulting him. You know, grabbing yeah, the flag and grabbing his hat. I mean, it's really sad. And people are being beaten up. Somebody, a business owner down there, had his house, his, um, sorry, his business, was, there was an arsonist who was threatening to burn his business down, and he wanted to detain the culprit, and a, and a big mob came and was trying to tear down his fence and forced, forced, forced him to release the guy. Just It's complete lawlessness. And there are rapes and um, people screaming and the police, Aren't going in there. Can't go in there. And, and t- Tina, you, you know, you mentioned the 1868 court case, and it was like about seven years earlier. Uh, you know, Virginia left the Union. This is Texas v. Yeah. White. Yeah, and you know, in about uh, 1861, uh, uh, Virginia joined the Confederate States, and all the western counties uh, formed West Virginia. And, you know, it seems like it's in violation of the Constitution, but uh you know, where you can't form another state out of a state, but Virginia left. So well, you can you, you can form well, a state out of a state as long as there's agreement with the states. But see, they weren't okay. This is Article Four, Section Three: No new state shall be formed or erected within the jurisdiction of any other state without the consent of the legislatures of the states concerned as well as of the Congress. But see, they weren't trying to form a separate state. They were trying to secede from the Union and form a new country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so and then you had Burr, uh, Vice President Burr put on trial, what was it, like 18, 1803 or something? You get the uh, Jefferson-Burr uh yeah, you know, feud that w- went on for a long time, and that trial uh, r- ruined Burr's uh, uh, career, and he was trying to form uh, his own separate nation. So, you know, we have a few examples of this forming another country within the United States, and it just r- really hasn't uh, worked out. It won't be given any legal effect. Um, at least it won't be recognized by the United States. Yeah. Are, are they going to uh, pay uh, tariffs for Im- importing stuff into CHOP? Um, I, you know, the the chop people put up signs that they need sunglasses and Gatorade and food and clothing. <laughs> so it's like they're already yeah. asking for foreign aid. They're a failed state already. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I, I mean, I, I've seen you know the uh, uh, posts for you know, hey, hey, we need 
all, all these products. You know, Michael, aren't they supposed to be, be paying some kind of tariff, uh, excise tax, or so, something like that on you know, the products coming into if, if this is a foreign country or, or what, whatever you, you want to call it? Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, they haven't uh, gotten that status yet, so I'm assuming no one is going to uh, go after them for unpaid excise tax or or tariffs at this point. <laughs> um, but that would be the uh, you know the effect of the matter if indeed something like that happened. You know, this is not uh, um, without precedent here, even in the state of Washington. I mean, up in uh, eastern Snohomish County, uh, a lot of people have been wanting to secede as a, a separate county called Freedom County you know, as well. So, you know, these, these kind of things hmm. pop up periodically, but this is, this is nothing to do with uh, the local uh, folks uh, trying to do something in their own neighborhoods. These are typically outside people uh, coming in, being paid, by the way. Uh, Tina Foster and I have seen the ads, uh, you know, in the newspapers on the Internet where they're literally paying people uh, to protest and not just protest. They're paying people to um, wreak havoc in communities that they don't even live in, mm-hmm. uh, sent around state to state. So that's what we're dealing with here on a national level. And it just happens to uh, boil over here in the state of Washington, in the Seattle area, uh, because, uh, I don't know, we've got uh, some collusion going on to allow it to take place, it sounds like. It, it, yeah, I... I well, uh, 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 Tina, uh, if you, if you want to uh, follow Michael's com- comment, go ahead. Well, I think that this is being funded. Uh, I mean, a lot of people claim it's George Soros, but certainly it's an anti-American uh, wave, uh, hostile, uh, making the founding fathers the enemy, um, anti-capitalist, which we don't even really have pure capitalism in this country, not for a long time. Um, so it's it's basically communist Marxist indoctrination that is now coming into blossom. And we were warned about this from people like Yuri Bezmenov, who gave um, a, a presentation in 1987 about how this takeover of America would happen, starting with the demoralization and then the destabilization, then the crisis, and then the normalization. So I think when they're talking about the new normal, they're actually talking about this normalization. So now this is the, um, you know, Marxist utopia that we're going to have to get used to. Okay. And, yeah, you just mentioned – um, yeah, there's been this plan since 1987. Uh, oh, for longer than that. He, uh, he just uh, talked uh, about it uh, then. Okay, it, but uh, you, know, you also get the uh, uh, X Files episode from just what two, three years ago about you know the famous takeover of America, where it's all the you know chemtrails and pharmaceutical companies are going to do all this stuff and. Uh, it, 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 it's all about you know buying and uh, be, everyone being a consumer. Uh, it, it sounds like the that's just an ex, the X Files episode is, is j- just an extension of 
what what you're talking about, but you know, you just brought up you know, Soros's name that seems to be you know just keep coming up as one of the you know people uh, s- supplying the money to fund uh, the, these groups and the supplies. Uh, why, if he is involved in something like that, we, we know who is behind it, why aren't their bank accounts uh, frozen? Bingo. Michael, it, like, it, it, it just seems like both parties know who is behind it, and neither party does anything about it. I mean, it, it, isn't that a dereliction of when they put their hand on the Bible and take a, a oath of office and, and affirm that they'll uphold the Constitution, and they allow these insurrections to happen? Like Tina, yeah, you know, Tina mentioned, that several times to- uh, called call this an insurrection several times. To- it's like, what else is it? Well, you're right, Mark. That's the uh, the big elephant in the room. Um, who is colluding here? Uh, yeah. Who is allowing this to happen, and why? Uh, and indeed, I agree with uh, with Tina that this is uh, uh, not only anti-American, anti or communistic kind of you know rhetoric. Uh, this is more than just uh, nationalism. This is uh, wor- one world order kind of stuff uh, where they need to be. Yeah, globalism. Yeah. They need to break down uh, societies in every country just uh, to make sure that uh, they can offer us uh, the um, uh, the solution later on. You know, the new normal that Tina was talking about. So, you know, the real the real issue is um, if you can indeed. Uh, shut down an entire planet uh, on uh, false information on the science that a pandemic has happened. Um, uh, there, there is massive collusion going on. I mean, I could see this happening in maybe uh, you know a, a, a country or two, maybe the United States leading the way in this kind of area. But I'm not talking about the the United States. I'm talking about almost 200 countries around the globe are going along in lockstep with what's happening. So that's the scary part of this thing. Uh, and what's really happening in the background, as you can tell at this point, uh, the people at the grassroots level are starting to ask the right question. Uh, why is this happening, uh, given the mortality rates of the COVID-19 being even lower than uh, the flu, the, uh, you know, the normal seasonal flu kind of thing, uh, the fact that uh, these uh, testing kits that have been coming out from the CDC uh, have been tainted potentially with the, uh, you know, the COVID virus to begin with. Uh, it's almost like those old voting machines in in Florida that were uh, arriving at the polling places with thousands and thousands of votes already on them, <laughs> and you know someone is putting all of this together. So uh, I'm I'm kind of encouraged that uh, literally. When this whole thing started in March, we have to realize a time frame here that we're dealing with. It wasn't that long ago. It was March, April, May, and now we are in June. 
So let's uh, let's just call that three solid months. Um, the public around the world, the physicians, uh, the scientists even are starting to ask the questions already. You would think that uh, if they had planned this thing out, they thought that uh, they probably could extend this for six months to a year or more. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that this time. Yeah, uh, that's a good thing. And maybe we're seeing that Facebook is presenting more truth than the uh, mainstream media, except for you know, spaced out Sundays and nightlight and the conspiracy <laughs> uh, club salon. Well, you know, well, that's that is that's a big part of it, I believe, is that in reality, um, the communication uh, uh, has been instant now around the planet. Um, right. I think that I think that they plan for that because they have their their minions in control that have control that are controlling the Internet and all the mainstream media, of course. But the real issue is that it only takes a little bit of truth to get out there and pique people's interests. And that's exactly what's going on on the Internet. Yeah, and yeah, you get the pandemic videos that make it to YouTube, and you know you have about um, maybe a, a few hours to watch, you know, about an hour of the movie before it, it just suddenly disappears. But you know, the Judy Mikovits, you know, does get her. Right point yeah. out there and then the censorship starts and then it's like oh you have to erase this uh, this youtube uh video and then someone else posts it and everyone goes over there and watches it and they say oh too much traffic over here or there's something suspicious and i it, it, but yeah there, there really seems to be something behind the uh Use of the term pandemic or scamdemic, what, 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 whatever phrase you want to use, it, it, it just seems like everything has been uh, planned, and all, then you know the virus escapes from the test tube, and you get then the, then all of a sudden uh, you get all these. Uh, phrases, uh, uh, you know, like social distancing. It, it, it's everything has been worked out, uh, you know, way ahead of what what the public knows. Yeah, exactly. One thing that I have a problem with is when they were doing the lockdown, and they wouldn't let people out of their house, and certainly not to peaceably assemble to protest the lockdown orders, but as soon as BLM and Antifa start to riot, then they encourage it. They don't care about social distancing uh, anymore. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. the COVID, uh, the COVID numbers uh, plummet, still plummet. uh, And no one, uh, you know, of course they're, they're trying to um, bolster uh, a new pandemic out of China right now, you know, and saying that it's a second wave, that kind of thing. But, uh, where was uh, all the second wave and where were all the uh, COVID cases after the riots or during the riots? 
anywhere mm-hmm. around the United States. It's just not happening. Matter of fact, a good friend of mine uh, he is a Ph.D. working in our local uh, hospital just reported today uh, that they're they're hunting for patients. They are nowhere near full. Uh, everyone pretty much gets into the hospital and has their own private room now, and you don't have to share it with folks because no one is getting, you know, uh, things done because they don't want to go in the hospital, and they've, they're discouraged to do so. So, um, well, you know, this whole thing. Fish- yes, I was going to say officials have admitted that they've had the numbers, so they double count people with COVID or if you die of a gunshot, but you had COVID, then you're counted as a COVID death. So right. that's just dishonest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And where, you know, uh, the scarf lady uh, said, said that, you know, you know, if you stub your toe, well, you're going to be diagnosed with COVID. And th- then where does this, you, know, you get paid nineteen thousand dollars for making the diagnosis, and then if you get put on the respirator, you get paid thirty nine thousand dollars. So, uh, uh, what's that like uh, for one one patient? Does a hospital get paid like nearly sixty thousand dollars that just magically appears from somewhere? Plus, they also get to build the insurance company. Or is that money just coming from the World Health Organization? Where where does this money come from? I don't understand that. Exactly. And, um, you know, probably the same place where all these uh, bailouts are coming from for Wall Street, too. You know, one of the theories of this whole thing, Mark, uh, Tina would know this because she is a financial expert herself, is that uh, this whole pandemic process – uh, was planned to cover up the major crash on Wall Street that happened just before this. Uh, and, of course, there's lots of other things in the background that we have to keep taking consideration of why this is happening now, uh, all of a sudden, around the world, literally. Uh, why is this being coordinated so well? And one of the theories is that there's lots of stuff going on behind the scenes that they don't want us to know about, so they're distracting us. Yeah, the Federal Reserve is basically responsible for destroying the economy, but they never want to take blame for it. So the COVID is a very convenient scapegoat that they can blame for. I mean, of course, they've destroyed the economy by unconstitutionally Mm -hmm. closing all these businesses, and I do want to talk about some of that. But it's... It's just okay. Well, so, so the lockdown orders um, now. Some of the states have have uh, have um, struck them down. Uh, Ohio, for example, said that it. Uh, I guess their Supreme Court said it violated due process and the separation of powers. And in this case, it was uh, Health Director Amy Acton who made all these orders that non-essential businesses were to close. And they're basically saying that it was impermissible for a non-elected official to make rules. And she didn't follow the correct procedure for making the rules, but 
it was unconstitutional because, um, you know, an executive person can't be making laws and rules that's delegated to the legislative branch. So that was one problem. And then um, we also have in Wisconsin that that was the governor, I think, was making those rules. So it kind of depends on the state, like who's making the rules. But um, again, it's it's um, just going beyond their authority. So they're saying some things are essential and some things aren't essential. But everybody's right to work is fundamental. <laughs> so let me okay, let me just talk about this. So the First Amendment it talks about how. Congress shall make no law respecting establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of people peaceably to assemble and also petition the government for redress of grievances. But, um, so when they are restricting people's religious practices, such as going to church, mm-hmm. I think that's probably unconstitutional. Um, uh, I think that was in a – that might have gone to the Supreme Court now. They may not have won. <laughs> I'm not sure. I have to follow up on that. But um, so also the First Amendment I think is implicated with the masks because um, the right of freedom of speech and press includes not only the right to utter or to print, but the right to receive, the right to read, and that's Griswold v. Connecticut. And I think that if you're mm. deaf or hard of hearing, a mask prevents you from being able to read lips. So I think that would violate their First Amendment rights. Um, there's also Fourth Amendment issues with uh, mandatory testing of COVID. And see, the Fourth Amendment, um, it says the right of people to be secure in their persons against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the person or things to be seized. I did, I took out some of the stuff that wasn't relevant, but I think that if they're going to try to come and force you to get tested for COVID, that that's an invasion of your privacy right and your Fourth Amendment rights. Um, now, what, what do you about think about the that? Vaccine? Oh, well, we can talk about the vaccine too. I got a whole whole section on that. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I, I was just gonna say since you're talking about the Fourth Amendment, I, you know, I, I, I was thinking, you know, it's not like I have, you know, the legal training you and Michael have. Uh, yeah, I, I just grew up watching uh, the the original People's Court, but you know, the Fourth Amendment d- does seem like. Uh, yeah, there there is a protection there about yeah. You can't force me to have a, a mandatory vaccine that was slapped together overnight, and ha- it, well, we don't even know if it's safe. And yeah, you, yeah, you make me uh, take it. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Fourth Amendment protects me. Well, let's hold off on the vaccine uh, okay. argument for a minute because it'll get us off way off track. Um, 
And then there's Fifth Amendment, which says no person shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against themselves, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So with these lockdown orders, I think there are a couple of things going on with the Fifth Amendment. Judge Napolitano weighed in on that and said, under the Fifth Amendment, if any government, state or federal, wants to impair the life, liberty, or property of any person, it must follow due process, and there are two components, or substantive and procedural due process. The substantive component asks if the impairment of liberty is proper to the government that seeks the impairment, and the procedural component asks if the impairment has come about fairly, whether the government, state or federal, can, can find persons against their will in order to protect public health. The short answer is yes, but the Constitution requires procedural due process. That means a trial for every person can find. Thus, a government-ordered quarantine of all persons in a city block um, or, you know, the whole state would be an egregious violation of due process, both substantive and procedural. Substantively, no government in America has the lawful power to curtail natural rights by decree, procedurally notwithstanding the fear of disease contagion, the states and feds may only quarantine those who are actively contagious and will infect others imminently. And it must present evidence of both at a trial at which it bears the burden of proof. So they don't get to just say everybody has to stay inside. They have to they can they can they can quarantine sick people, but they have to prove that you're sick. So Yeah. And by the way, then, not only that, but but prove as well that it's um uh, contagious and uh, more contagious than just your normal virus that uh, we've been dealing with for uh, eons and millennia as human beings. Now, there's also the Fifth Amendment property taking um, clause that deals with the government taking private property for public use. Now, in this case, I would say it would be constructive, which which is also regulatory taking which means that the government the government restricts the owner's rights so much that the government's action becomes the functional equivalent of a physical seizure. So the Fifth Amendment mandates that if the government takes private property, the government must provide just compensation, which is usually the fair market value. So you see, um, okay, well, the only issue with this, though, is that these lockdown orders where they're telling people they can't work, their businesses are closed. Yeah, I would say that would be right. uh, a taking, but the problem is it's supposedly not permanent. So it may fail that test of actually being a taking. Um, I think do- uh, Dr. Stephen Pigeon is going to be litigating that, so I guess we'll see what the court says. Because um, he's suing uh, Inslee, Governor Inslee of Washington, um, so also a problem with the lockdown orders deals with the 14th Amendment. And um, so so the state action clause of the 14th Amendment declares that a state cannot make or enforce any law that abridges the privileges or immunities of any citizen. So that's, well, you know, okay, they are. But then substantive due process, which we were talking about, it's not. it doesn't only protect um legal procedure, but also certain rights. And um, so that would include the right to work. 
and you know, marry, raise one's children. And so so they're, they're forbidding people to work if they're non-essential. So I think that would be um, violating their 14th Amendment right there, due process. Um, then and also, don't, don't forget oh, the uh, equal protection clause as well. I mean, oh, no, they're, I'm, they're I'm per- getting to it. Yeah. Oh, guys, know you well. <laughs> uh, so it also this uh, the substantive due process also deals with privacy rights, and so that's where we get the COVID test and the forced vaccines, which I think that would be violating. And then um, oh, and also so another another fundamental right is the right to travel, interstate travel, and see they were preventing people from traveling and um right so it, it, it so i think that they could probably do the they they can quarantine sick people but i don't think that they can prevent healthy people from traveling across state lines and i do have something about well Shapiro v Thompson is a 1968 case that deals with the right to travel and basically, this is a constitutional right, and they just considered it to be so fundamental that it didn't it didn't even have to be in the constitution. It's just like it's just an obvious thing. But then Michael mentioned the equal protection clause in the Fourteenth Amendment. So basically, all citizens of the United States are guaranteed equal protection under the law, and when a state or ordinance discriminates against an individual or a class of individuals, and those individuals sue, the court will apply one of three levels of scrutiny. So basically, um, this would probably be a rational basis test, but is it rational to discriminate between a hair salon, like say you have to close, but the Whole Foods doesn't? <laughs> you know, it's like they're all being treated differently is there a rational basis for that i guess they would say well we have food but you know somebody might it might be essential to get gardening supplies and the stores closed so well and there you go you got the local uh, marijuana dispensaries uh, around the state of washington as well uh allowed to stay open you know when um and and of course the the liquor stores (laughs) and Mm -hmm. all of that and uh, you know the Ma, the Monpar restaurant uh, down on the corner that uh, relies uh, completely on their business to stay um, to stay alive, really to support their family. They're closed for some reason. Right. So then there's also the issue that they're interfering with contracts. So Article One, Section Ten says that no state shall make any law impairing the obligation of contracts. So when they and they go in and they force people's businesses to close. They're, I think they're interfering with business contracts. And they're also threatening to shut off their power if they, if they don't submit to the lockdown. And then uh, another one is the public trust doctrine. So when they're closing the beaches, I think they're violating the public trust doctrine. So this is a principle that certain natural and cultural resources are preserved for public use and that the government owns and must protect and maintain these resources for the public's use. So like, um, so the government, the state will hold 
the public beach and trust for the people so they can have access to swimming, fishing, recreation. And I don't think that they can just close the beaches. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 um, they, they, you know, places like Florida have closed the beaches, but you, you can shop in a crowded Walmart Right. So does that make any sense? It's like, no, they've they've arrested a guy for being out on a surfboard in the middle of the ocean with nobody around. That's that's dangerous. But, you know, going to the marijuana dispensary with a bunch of other people is fine. See, that's... Yeah. And, of course, uh, riding riding in the streets is perfectly fine because no one uh, mm -hmm. uh, gives a... Uh, concern about uh, people, you know, literally living on top of one another at uh, in uh, these uh, makeshift, you know, autonomous zones in various cities and stuff. So it doesn't make any sense. And it just goes to the idea of uh, collusion on some level, some high level, as far as I can see, that's uh, been trickling down into our local establishments. Right. Well, let me just say real quick that some people claim that it's an emergency, so the government gets to suspend the Constitution. Well, that is absolutely not true. There is a Supreme Court case called Ex Party Milligan from 1866. states, neither the president nor Congress nor the judiciary can disturb any one of the safeguards of civil liberty incorporated into the Constitution, except so far as the right of given to suspend um, habeas corpus under certain conditions. But, yeah, I mean, there are are Supreme Court cases that say that, I mean, the Constitution is the rule. It's the law of the land. It's it's never suspended. You don't get to just do whatever you want. (laughs) Like, oh, it's an emergency. We're going to suspend the Constitution. No, it doesn't work that way. Okay, I have a question. Um, There are one or two lawyers out there in this world, probably a lot more. Why haven't there been any lawsuits filed? If if they are against, going against the Constitution, why why aren't the courts just loaded down with people fighting for their rights? I don't understand it. Are, Big, is it just that they told Barb. us that this is? I mean, have have you know, they told us that you know, are we are we lemmings that we just say, oh yeah, the government says we have to do? What happened to the lawyers? Where the hell are they? Oh, no, there are you know, lawsuits. Ohio, Oregon, Wisconsin, and in Washington, our friend Dr. Stephen Pigeon. There's, there, are, there are a few. You're right. But, um, Barb, I totally agree with you in this regard, is that uh, I have been sorely disappointed in uh, the legal community in all across the country, not just the large uh, uh, you know, cities, uh, where there are a few, a few lawsuits, only a handful, really, of class action lawsuits against the uh, powers that be for uh, breaching the Constitution of the United States during this, you know, supposed emergency. But uh, in reality, where are the uh, where are the Jim Garrisons of this world? Uh, where where are the local DAs and prosecutors uh, sitting around? For instance, in Snohomish County here in the state of Washington. Um, our local sheriff uh, has decided that he cannot uh, 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 enforce an unconstitutional 
um, lockdown ruling coming from a governor that is clearly un- unconstitutional in his regard in his eyes. Yes, yeah. yeah, sure, so everybody should support him. <laughs> yes, because they are trying to recall him for doing that, uh, recalling an yeah. election for. Uh, but uh, in reality, where is the local prosecutors? Um, and or the attorneys in that area that would uh, come to – there are some attorneys, by the way, that are helping um, uh, Sheriff Fortney in his, uh, in his fight. But the county has said that they are not going to allow him, the sheriff, to have any attorney's fees uh, for his fight against the governor uh, in trying to um, uphold an unconstitutional uh, issue. So, you know, I'm really with you, Barb. There's stuff out there going on, and I'm wondering. It's almost like, uh, you know, the Paul Revere uh, riot of, uh, of midnight, you know, trying to bring the um, uh, the issue to, to fore, and you look around, and there's nobody be- nobody behind you for some reason right but now. This is, this but is it's not, it's not just with. that. There are 168 representatives and 57 senators who have law degrees. And their mouths go. have been shut totally. They know what they're 100. doing. They know exactly they're doing unconstitutional things. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe they not. Have, uh, uh, what's her name? And they've Cortez. Got the, what's her name? <laughs> AOC. <laughs> well, and, but they've, they've got the ultimate conflict of interest going on there with their campaign funds. Uh, you know, the people that are backing them uh, to uh, keep them in power, too. So that you... You're right. This rabbit hole goes really deep, a lot deeper than it looks. This is what I was saying before, that we need Trump to come and restore our Republican form of government in this state. And actually not just our state, but in every state with all the lockdown orders, because that's, they're not, that's not a Republican form of government when the governor acts like a dictator. Yeah, without uh, legislative right. uh, background, backup. Or uh, input yeah, as well. Yeah, the yeah. legislator didn't make these rules. The governor or some unelected official just arbitrarily decided which you know job is essential and which one isn't. <laughs> you know, I mean. No, and and you know, Tina for, uh, give a uh, an analogy. Yeah, you know, there's what the. Uh, Husband of the governor of Michigan went, uh, you know, to get his boat ready to take out on the uh, lake, on, on one of the Great Lakes, and yeah, you know, but everyone else was on lockdown. So yeah, you know, we're back to the you know, some are more equal than others. So, so we're back to you know what you're just saying about the uh, some of the uh, elected officials are acting more like uh, tyrants and dictators. Right, they're yeah. they're infringing people's rights and constitutionally protected rights. I mean, I named like at least five. There might be more. Michael, have you did you think of any that I didn't talk about? Um, I'm sure there are more. Yeah, definitely. But uh, you've hit the main ones for sure there. Oh, Tina, Second Amendment. I, Se- I, Second Amendment, because they were trying to close gun rights. And our mayor here in Edmonds was trying to 
I, I don't know, what was he trying to do, get us to give him our guns or something? I don't know what that was about. But So they're infringing people's Second Amendment rights, too. Yeah, there you go. Um, there is a, uh, a a question in the Facebook chat room that I think I'd like to uh, address. Um, someone was saying that, uh, you know, is it up to uh, a local sheriff to uh, question the governor of the state, of their own state? Well, uh, and, you know, cool. the only thing that I would say, the only thing I would say is that uh, as law enforcement um, officers of the court, uh, as far as attorneys go and those kind of things, we all take uh, oaths to uphold not only the state constitution, but the U.S. constitution and our oaths. Uh, if yeah. indeed you are given, uh, it's almost like that old, uh, you know, uh, World War, uh, you know, two order where, you know, uh, any any unlawful order, you know, is still unlawful. Uh, and, of course, that's what the Nuremberg trials were all about. Uh, and if you uh, perpetrate those kinds of things, you are just as guilty as the person that is uh, issuing the unlawful order. And I think Tina Foster will explain to you as well that uh, any uh, unlawful order that is unconstitutional is void on its face. Is that right, Tina? That's Marbury v. Madison, 1803. So, indeed, um, law enforcement, uh, attorneys, uh, uh, officers of the court, we've all taken that oath to uphold the Constitution of not only of our states but of the uh, United States. And that's, uh, that's a conflict in our minds if we are given uh, orders from above that seem to contradict that. Well, Sheriff Fortney is a patriot, and he's upholding the Constitution. He's doing what he took an oath to do. But, see, we don't live in a dictatorship. I mean, these are not our rulers. These are co-governors, <laughs> you know. It's not like the king gets to issue a dictate, and you just follow it, you know, unquestioningly. Right? I mean, this is a... Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Government by the people for the people. It's not. We don't have an emperor. No. So and, uh, people are, are getting a little uppity. I think. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> no, I mean the the governor is getting uppity, thinking he has more powers than he has. Well, uh, yeah, that's. Oh, well, just because. Uh, say. Uh, you know, we did the emperor thing with, you know, like, uh, you know, we had Caligula and Tiberius who they were just e- executing people on whims, you know, without even a- any trial. You know, hopefully, you know, with o- over time, ideas have developed that gave us constitutions to protect protect us but you know, it, it just seems like you know, some of the examples Tina gave is you know we're kind of slotting back uh, to this dictatorship and, and is that what the people behind the scenes who were behind uh, this Several uh, the riots and the uh, virus pandemic thing is that what they want? You know, just breaking down of the American culture. 
Yes. See, that's the thing. See, they started with demoralization at least 50 years ago. That's when they started in with indoctrination, anti-founding fathers, right, highlighting all all the negative stuff about the founding fathers, nothing positive, and getting people to be really down on America, highlighting all the terrible things America did. None, none of the good stuff about America. They don't teach Constitution anything in high school or even college. And then you got the destabilization, and that went on for a while. Uh, this might actually be a crisis. We might be in the crisis. And then after the crisis, they will bring in the new normal, right? And that's what they keep talking about. So... Yeah, and, and with uh, you know, that common core curriculum, mm-hmm. uh, no wonder uh, people are just pulling down statues of they, – they don't know who the person was. It's just <laughs> a statue. Just, ju- just knock it over. Who, who, who cares? It's just you know some uh, dead white guy from a long time ago. You know, it's just, history doesn't matter. But they then, then the here we are just repeating the same thing. The illiterati don't know history. That's part of the problem. So they they can't differentiate between an abolitionist and a Confederate general. I mean, they, it makes no difference to them. They've attacked, they attacked an abolitionist statue. They attacked the glory statue that, you know, commemorates black soldiers in the Civil War fighting for the Union. They have no idea. They attacked Thomas Jefferson. They attacked George Washington. It's really it's sad, really. I mean, I would understand if they were attacking Confederate leaders, but that's that's not really... They're attacking Abraham Lincoln, too. So it makes no sense. Yeah, it's just... It, it, it's just it, it, it just seems like... Let's just e- eradicate any memory from you know before yesterday and you know and and that's where we get into you know, like 1984 thinking is you know Winston Smith just sat there sat there at the speak right and uh, you know would change things so that it, it, you know, there's really no well distorts information no one has any you know real recollection of you know, what happened in the past it, it's you know the past only becomes what you remember yeah history is revised to suit the agenda mm-hmm. that yeah. was what Winston was and, doing and you know the um the real issue that we need to start thinking about now is uh, why is all of this happening so quickly? Uh, I don't know if you have followed the uh, the disclosures in the UFO community uh, since uh, December 16th of 2017, when the uh, you know the U.S. government finally came out and admitted the UFOs exist. But uh, just since March, obviously, all of these you know, uh, anti-social uh, and lockdown and um, anti-rule uh, of law issues have happened so quickly, it's almost as if the powers that be uh, are panicking for, for some reason. Uh, they are literally pulling out all the stops 
uh, around the world simultaneously for some reason. We need to keep that in the back of our minds. What is that reason? So, uh, Michael, do you think there's part of an alien agenda? You know, I think that what? there could be an issue with uh, consciousness being raising on the planet so quickly uh, that literally they, uh, the powers that be realize that it's possible that uh, we are uh, about to potentially have contact with uh, extraterrestrial uh, civilizations, uh, sources, or whatever, uh, that literally have been visiting the planet for eons, as most anybody can tell. Um, but the fact is that they need to get ahead of the spin of something like that if it ever happened, because they would totally lose control of the situation if indeed uh, the consciousness of the planet raises high enough that they realize that uh, these things that are going on to control them uh, from the the minions around the world that are colluding together uh, are a negative force. So who knows if it's uh, alien contact that's coming down the road uh, or uh, there's an issue with uh, some kind of timing that is forcing the uh, negative hand out there for some reason, because it's unthinkable to, to realize that since March, all of these things, one right after another, have happened. And, of right. course, um, there is other false flags that are uh, being planned in the background, as you typically have rumors of as well, that uh, could still be coming down the road. Like a fake alien invasion? Yeah, or the asteroid attack, you know, that uh, Dr. Um, uh, Werner von Braun talked about, um, which <laughs> they've been talking about that in the news, potential asteroids, you know, hitting the planet. Um, okay, you and, know what? Uh, yeah. With the asteroid, okay, we know that Nikola Tesla invented a death ray, and yeah. apparently the government decided to go with the much more destructive H or you know atom bomb, but apparently the Israelis now have something called Iron Beam, which was based on Tesla technology. So couldn't they just focus the death ray at the asteroid and destroy it? Well, I have I believe that they have uh, multiple ways of deflecting asteroids. Yes, uh, obviously uh, to detect them for quite a ways away as well. So I think you're right. I think there is a defense to that. But, of course, they don't want to let you know the defense to that because uh, that's the fear factor that they need to uh, throw behind <laughs> people. Of, yeah, why, they need to, why we need to give up our rights, you know, so we can uh, survive whatever's coming next. Yeah, people are really manipulated by fear. Wow. You got Maybe it. The coronavirus. I mean, it's the coronavirus has what a point oh oh three percent death rate. People are willing to yeah. give up everything Mer for that, like their jobs, their freedom. Matter of fact, I think we all uh, heard uh, John Roberts from CNN, uh, or was it Fox News? I can't remember. One of the reporters, uh, the White House reporters, uh, came in to a live mic. While they're setting up for one of the presidential briefings a couple, uh, well, it's a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago by now, uh, telling everyone that they could take off their masks now because the uh, uh, USC and the uh, 
uh, L.A. County um, Health Department have come out with the revised uh, comorbidity rates for COVID, saying that it was 0.03% uh, morbidity uh, for COVID. And uh, it's there's no need to it's, – it's less than the flu. I remember him saying that. Now, here's the interesting other thing, Tina. I think you remember this when we talked about it on our uh, Conspiracy uh, Club Salon show where – he also said one of the reporters in, or one of the technical guys that was setting up the microphones in that press conference, after John Roberts mentioned that, the uh, technical guy said, oh, well, that's all right. We've all been uh, vaccinated anyway. <laughs> yeah, we well- talked about how they're not getting the vaccines that they give to the normal people because they would not be getting all the poisons and toxins. No way. Yes, and the I fact is... The fact is that there's supposedly a vaccine already that the elite has already gotten. I mean, that was what uh, leaked out during that hot mic episode uh, on that uh, morning before the president uh, speech. So anyway, there's all sorts of weird stuff going on in the background, uh, including the patents that were taken out on the COVID virus well before um, the COVID virus ever showed up, years before that as well as the patents for the testing of it as well. So there's all sorts of fantastic uh, information that would come out if indeed we could get an actual trial and call expert witnesses and call these participants and put them under oath. I think I'd be careful. Go ahead, Tino. Go ahead, Tino. I would be careful with the vaccine because if they're saying that there's a vaccine for the elite, it reminds me of a story, if you don't mind if I share it really quickly. But it's a story about, it's a story of two captains, okay? Captain Bly versus Captain Cook. Captain, okay, so at that time, vitamin C deficiency was a real problem, and they decided they were going to get the sailors to eat cabbage, okay? So Captain Bly... He's the famous one who had the mutiny on the bounty. Captain Bly mm-hmm. decided he was going to make all of his sailors eat this cabbage. And they were like, oh, no, I don't want cabbage. Yeah, blah. Captain Cook said, oh, only only the officers get to eat cabbage. And he would, like, you know, have it carried past all the sailors and be like, we want cabbage. We want cabbage. So, you see, I think people might be tricked in a lot in the vaccine if it's for the elite. I, you know, I mean, I could be wrong, but it just reminds me of that story. Good point. But, I like that. <laughs> but but what about uh, Dr. Fauci, who uh, was a couple weeks ago, he was in quarantine. Then whatever happened to that, then he was uh, you know, doing some of his interviews with the mask on, and then the mask is like – suddenly disappear did isn't he elite enough to have the vaccine that's already made or you know what's that that whole he seems like some kind of figure that uh, someone's coaching him on what to do i don't i don't believe anything he says could be, I mean, he's, could be CDC yeah. or who telling him what to say. 
Yeah, uh, but but he he was in quarantine, and then he's not there. Then what happened to you know the president's drivers that tested positive, but Trump's never. Uh, 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 he's he's been tested. He doesn't ha- uh, hasn't had it, but you know, some of the people around him have, and he's he's not wearing a mask at some um, factory. Uh, it, it, it's all these people who are in close quarters w- w- with each other. Some get it, some don't. You can get that in households too, if it's even a real disease. You'd no, be asymptomatic. Really it's probably a manufactured disease. I mean, we we saw an article. It was posted on Forbes, and it was about a Norwegian study saying that it was that it was man-made. So. That yeah, it, but, that, it could, ha- that it could not uh, appear in nature. Uh, in other words, the uh, the virus itself was tweaked to become more virly, virulent. Uh, to humans, uh, and it does not appear in nature that way. Uh, so, you know, I think that's become a uh, a scientific fact now. So then ago, then you think uh, to yourself, well, how did that occur? How did that happen? How did that become manufactured? For what reason uh, was it well, released, or was it did it escape? Those are the issues that need to be uh, asked. I mean, it could have just been a somebody screwed up majorly, or it could have been intentional. I mean, we will never know. I mean, there's this vaccine agenda 2020, where they want to have. Well, let me see what was that called again. It's called agenda um, healthy 21. people 2020. Healthy people 2020. So this is an adult vaccination plan, and of course they want to have more adults being vaccinated and. And, you know, maybe maybe that was part of this healthy people thing. But, uh, you know, if this virus was intentionally released and some people got, you know, we don't know how many people got sick uh, because, you know, Tina recovered, um yeah, the number you know, people were coached to inflate the numbers. Uh, but you know, is anyone going to be uh, tried for crimes against humanity? Well, that would be that would be what fraud, maybe. Well, uh, a whole release, lot of releasing it. Release. Yeah, that could be a. Well, negligence for sure. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, that those no, no, issues um, would be what a trial would uh, prove one way or the other. Uh, you know, what kind of evidence? And this would be like a grand jury uh, investigation initially. Uh, subpoenas and indictments would be, uh, re- uh, you know, given out, and uh, research would have to be done. Uh, none of that has happened so far. So it's been yeah. very interesting. Uh, as Barb had mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, that things are very quiet on that front uh, of, with the people that could move forward with those uh, kinds of inquiries. Yeah, it, 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 I, while I was doing some uh, reading for this show, 
uh, you know, the Constitution really doesn't say anything or, or has very little to say about health care. They get uh, the general welfare and the preamble, but it is the the, the preamble uh, uh, law. It, it's not it, it, like the Declaration of Independence isn't. Law. No, it's not law. No, the Declaration yeah, of it, is not law. Yeah, is the preamble just the summary of the ideas uh, about what's going to be expressed in the document? It, uh, but you know, general welfare. It, you know, would, wouldn't be a law, but it should Here, be Here's the deal with something... the Constitution. Might, might clear okay. that. Okay, okay, so the Constitution, it defines the powers of the federal government. The federal right. government has the powers that are given to it. Now, it has bootstrapped for itself powers, especially through the Commerce Clause, but it's supposed to be a limited federal government. So whatever is not given to the federal government or reserved to it or or somehow it, it has managed to get, it's reserved to the states or to the people. So the states can do whatever they want unless it's, you know, unconstitutional or it's especially, you know, specifically for the federal government. Like the states can't make post offices because that's something the federal government does, for example. So then it would be like if there's some sort of health care, then that would fall more in the state's domain, not the federal government. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. Because you got to look at Article it, 1, Section 8 for the enumerated powers of the federal government, of the Congress. That's what they can do. Okay, and that, and if it's not that's for the states. Then it's probably for the state, yeah, unless it's unconstitutional. So, <laughs> so. okay, it, it, uh, Michael, since since you mentioned the um, you know, brought up the ET uh, concept, do would would they be? Do do you think they would be here to? Counteract the what the elites are trying to impose on us, or like it, maybe some of the uh, reptilians are part of the elite. So you actually have two warring factions of ETs. It with with this COVID situation. Yeah, I I. Uh... You know, I have a background in uh, <laughs> I have a background in uh, faith-based uh, belief myself. I've been uh, vice president of Puget Sound Christian College for quite a few years myself, and was raised a faith-based kind of guy. And if you go to sacred scriptures, not just the Bible, uh, but other s- sacred scriptures around the planet, you know that there's uh, an evil uh, presence on the planet, uh, and there is a good presence on the planet, and probably shades of gray in between. So
So uh, to to naively say that uh, all ETs are out there to protect us uh, and to bring us into the light is probably uh, not true. Uh, I believe there probably is a war going on above our heads that we don't even know about. Uh, but the fascinating thing is, is that uh, with all of the UFO reports that have been happening, uh, just even in the modern era, let's say, since 1947 or so, um, it's very unusual to find uh, any kind of an overt attack by um, uh, aliens on, for instance, our uh, aircraft and those kinds of things. Um, and the fact that, uh, for instance, these uh, UFOs have been sighted over nuclear bases and literally shutting down the nuclear missiles, you know, 10 at a time uh, across the northern tier of the United States, Maelstrom Air Force Base being one of the prime examples um, it seems that they're very aware of the fact that we, the kids have got the matches. We need to keep an eye on these guys so they don't uh, destroy the house, uh, you know, and uh, take everything with it, let alone uh, mess up the, uh, this quadrant of the universe, or at least our galaxy, with our uh, hydrogen bombs and those kinds of things as well. So I think it's a very, very complicated situation uh, the only thing that makes sense to me is that whatever the complicated situation is seems to be coming to a head, literally, since uh, mm-hmm. just recently with the uh, Tic Tac UFOs being confirmed by the U.S. Navy, by the Air Force talking about the um, uh, USS uh, uh, Wilson or uh, uh, Roosevelt uh, issue on the east coast of the United States where uh, – FA-18 jets have sighted a, um, a circular sphere with a square inside of a translucent sphere streaking by a um, FA-18 uh, jet's cockpit so fast that he couldn't even believe uh, that it was caught on radar. Uh, the, the idea that in the mainstream media they are coming out and talking about these issues and confirming that they're not Russian, they're not Chinese, they're not even our craft that are buzzing around the planet seems to be uh, showing that something is about to happen or, or potentially already happened, and they need to now either red pill the public or distract us somehow from it. I suspect that we're dealing hmm. with Enlil and Inky still. There you go. From the, Sumer- from the Sumerian you wanna, times. You might want to so, explain who Enlil and Inky Enlil, are, because that's Inky a fascinating story. Yeah. Enlil and okay. Enki, so Enlil was the a legitimate son of Anu, and Enki was the, um, like, the illegitimate bastard child. He was older. But anyway, he was supposedly, according to the Sumerian text that um, Zechariah Sitchin translated, he said that Enki was the scientist who basically created humans from um, the hominid, a race that was here, and then combining it with the the Anunnaki genes, right? So it creates like this human hybrid thing that can work in the gold mines. And um, so Enki was actually like very positive for the humans. He wanted to help them improve, wanted to help them learn. And Enlil didn't. He wanted them to be slaves. Enlil was the one who wanted to wipe them out with Noah's flood. Enki told Noah to make the ark and save whatever himself and the animals. So um, this thing has been going on 
for 6,000 years at least. I mean, if you believe, you know, the Sumerian text. But it, like, comes down and it's, like, you know, God versus Lucifer. And, and like, it, it's, like, the same story that's been passed down for so long. So it could be. I don't know. Makes sense. No, I, I, I just wondered you know, if... You know, humans are kind of trapped in this, you know, battle between opposing forces, and you know, like Michael said, it, it's all coming to a head now. And you know, just the four of us are, you know, just one of many people. You know, we don't know what's going on. We're just kind of. Uh, Keep your heads down and see see what happens. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark. Uh, it is definitely an amazing time to be alive right now. Uh, if you were a third party just sitting back watching what's going on in this planet, you would have to take a sit up and take notice of the uh, <laughs> the fast changes that have been going on. You can in yeah. the past we always point to uh, a rogue country here and there a unique thing happening in a certain part of the world. This literally right. has taken over the entire planet. But for the first time in my lifetime, and probably many other eons as well, that the entire planet has been affected by uh, one or two things so quickly together. So you wonder why that is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, and I think that's, reason for this show and you know just getting a legal per uh, perspective on so many di- different e- events that all of us can't escape uh, you're uh, affected one way or another how do we deal with it and well one way one way we deal with it is uh, we uh, don't sit there and uh, not talk to one another. We use the Internet. We use our ingenuity to literally get together just like we're doing today. And it's, you know, it's your audience out there, Mark. It's the people that literally care to tune in and will be tuning into this show in the archives and getting themselves educated. That's what's going on right now all over the planet. Yeah, well, I advertised that I would talk about the mandatory vaccines and a legal argument against it, if you're interested. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, We have uh, 28 minutes uh, left. Uh, Tina, why don't you start uh, rolling with uh, the mandatory vaccine? I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Okay, well, there are a whole lot of arguments against mandatory vaccines, but unfortunately, the Supreme Court shut a lot of them down in Jacobson, and it said that the only exception to mandatory vaccination is an offer of apparent or reasonably certain proof that your, your actual health would be impaired or you would be killed by a vaccine. So... There will always be that exception to any sort of vaccine law. And if it's not in the law, it will be read into the law. It will be assumed that if the vaccine is going to hurt you, 
you don't have to take it. That's a presumed exception. Okay, so that's in Jacobson. But I did find a way, a possible way to get out of forced vaccines, even if you can't prove it'll hurt you. And that's based on the First Amendment free exercise because a lot of religions are against vaccines. Like if you're a Christian scientist or if you're Catholic, you don't want aborted fetus cells injected into you. Um, And so um, the states, okay, it's basically based on um, RFRA, okay, Religious Freedom and Restoration Act. There's a federal version and there are 22 states that have these RFRAs. So we wouldn't be able to use it in Washington or West Virginia, but if there is ever a federal mandated vaccine law, we could probably use it, and it would probably work. Okay, so how this would, how this, you would use this is that, um, okay, so it's based on the free exercise clause of the First Amendment, and it requ- the text of RFRA requires that the state and federal government, they cannot substantially, substantially burden a person's free exercise of religion um, unless they can demonstrate that the burden is in furtherance of a compelling government interest, which they would probably be able to prove because of health and safety with the vaccine and the police power of the state. And um, that the problem for them is going to be, and it has to be the least restrictive means of furthering that interest. So they, the state would need to show that the vaccination statute was in furtherance of the compelling government interest and that it was the least restrictive means of furthering that. So um, the problem for them is that uh, they, they don't have any religious exemptions. They have to show that um, having a religious exemption would contravene their purpose, okay? So um, if you consider this herd immunity theory, it says that mm-hmm. you don't have to have 100% vaccination for there to be herd immunity, right? So say like uh, 90% of people have to be vaccinated for there to be herd immunity. So if the government doesn't have a religious exemption, then that is not the least restrictive means of ensuring the public health and safety. So, okay, basically... Um, how this would be is that the government would be able to overcome the burden of showing a compelling governmental interest in prohibiting in protecting the health, safety, and welfare with a forced vaccine. But given the issues with the um, herd immunity and then this Gonzalez case, which I can uh, where's the citation? Oh, well, it's not. Um, it's unlikely that the government could show that mandatory vaccination without religious exemption is the least restrictive means of furthering its interest. Are you all following Yeah, that? very good. Very good analysis. Uh, and by the way, uh, Tina, we got to uh, give our caveat here that we are not giving legal advice. You definitely want to talk with your local <laughs> lawyer if you want to use any of these strategies that we're talking about. We are here just talking about them for sure. I think that's a great analysis that you just did. Okay. Well, if you have any questions about that, um, feel free. 
But I wanted to to let people know that there is a, a good argument to use against forced vaccines because um, with Dershowitz saying, oh, they can come and force the job the needle into your arm, it's like, no, they can't. Okay, first of all, if they they come to job a needle in your arm against your consent, that's a battery. So you could probably sue them and torch for that. I mean, I would. <laughs> and un- an unconsented touching. You got it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it, 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 and, and what about uh, – uh, Tina, I just wanted to ask uh, before you resume to uh, the uh, legal case. Uh, you know, you see some of these uh, – you have a few minutes to watch the RFK Jr. discussions on, uh, you know, the videos that get posted about his work with the vaccine courts. Is, is that such a thing? Yeah. Do you want me to talk about the vaccine court? Sure. I, I, I was just asking the question. You, you know, you do see people talking about that there are damages paid out by this vaccine court. I don't know where, you know, if it's on Main Street. I don't. I don't know where it is. I, you know, they have very high standards to prove that a vaccine uh, caused damage, but people. Are supposedly winning cases, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I would think they might be ha- have a lot of uh, more cases if you know the man in the uh, you know like Mister Rogers sweaters gets his way. <laughs> Let me see. I have to find it. And I, and I just, I just wondered about, okay. about that. Yeah. Um, okay. So basically, vaccine court. It's um, so. It's the office of special masters of the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. It administers a no-fault system for litigating vaccine injury claims. It's a tribunal. There's no jury and no case that's a a precedent for the next case. Two out of three vaccine injury claims are rejected for compensation. So so this was the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. In 1986, Congress passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. The law was created by Congress in response to lobbying by the pharmaceutical industry and medical trade associations to shield drug companies and doctors from civil product liability and malpractice lawsuits for injuries and deaths caused by federally recommended and state-mandated vaccines. The law, which acknowledged that vaccines carry uh, serious risks, created a federal vaccine injury compensation program. And um, so that's John Pease, MD, said in uh, 1986, this program um, has paid out over $3.5 billion to the vaccine injured. This was from a couple of years ago. Um, it was deemed uh, preferable to have unavoidably unsafe vaccines than no vaccines. 
Unfortunately, the protection provided to vaccine manufacturers also reduced incentives to develop safer vaccines in the U.S. So, yeah, so in 2017, it had already awarded more than $3.7 billion to vaccine-injured people. So I don't know what it is today, but um, the pertussis, injuries and deaths from pertussis containing vaccines are the most and then influenza, MMR, and then hepatitis B. So those are the top ones that cause injury, or at least are given compensation for injury. So, yeah, it's, you know, they take that outside of the normal judicial systems. I, would, I don't even see how that's constitutional. Like, we're just going to take this whole area of, you know, tort liability, injury to people, and just move it outside of the constitutional legal system. I mean, I don't think that's, I don't think that's, you know, constitutional. And where where is the appeal process, you know, in that regard? There there is none, probably. No, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tina brought up a good point about, the, the the product liability and you know what happens if all these test kits you know we know that they aren't uh, all that accurate and you're misdiagnosed you know you go through you know the trauma and of uh, pain and suffering of being misdiagnosed and you know you never had it in the first place but you know, do, you know do, does where where do you, do you do you get any kind of compensation for that does the hospital and or doctor have to pay you back for um using faulty products i uh, you know, i i i'm i'm all for for that yeah, you know, uh, hold some of these people accountable. Well, I would probably, well I mean, that's the thing. Pharmaceutical company, so they they don't want to be held liable for it. So, um, oh, yeah. Uh, what what does that tell you? If we're rushing towards trying to get a vaccine uh, for COVID nineteen that is uh, probably not going to be tested the way it should be over the yeah. long term normal process of uh, trials, you know that. Uh, that doesn't bode well for uh, the idea of a normal vaccine, let alone a vaccine that uh, might be tainted with something in the first place that we don't want to have in our own bodies. So who knows about uh, what's going to happen there? Yeah, you know, it's yeah. funny because I've seen a lot of um, mainstream now trying to deny that the Gates Foundation wanted to put microchips in the vaccines. So they're like, oh, conspiracy theories are saying blah, 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 blah. Well, I found an article from MSN.com, and it was talking about Shamrock, okay, who apparently is some MMM fighter. He tweeted about the vaccine or chip in the vaccine. And so this is a mainstream article. Let me just quote this real quick. Bill Gates never actually talked about using a chip to fight COVID-19. 
This idea actually comes from a bioengineering professor affiliated with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. This implant chip technology refers to something called quantum dot tattoos. They're dissolvable micro needles used to create a potential record of who is or who is not vaccinated. So it's right there. It's like, and then they try to deny that they ever talked about that. So well, it anyway. well it. What and does Bill have a uh, medical degree? <laughs> I know. Why is he suddenly the dictator who gets to decide all of the health laws and yeah, who who elected him king of the world, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and how? Uh, how did the? Uh, how, Foundations uh, experience in India go. Well, isn't he being sued? <laughs> yeah, and he's he's practicing medicine without a license. I mean, that's a, that's illegal. So, you know, isn't it isn't it amazing, uh, Tina, that uh, we live in the state of Washington, uh, that everything seems to be happening at, and we've got uh, the home of Bill Gates. Uh, we've got the very first COVID-19 cases, you know, in the United States. We've got uh, the governor here, yeah, that is uh, ordering a shutdown uh, statewide. Uh, it seems to be this is a hot spot uh, for whatever is going to be happening around the planet. Seems to happen here in Seattle first. Of course, I'm got a little myopic uh, attitude in that regard, but uh, I think there's probably a reason why Tina Foster and Michael W. Hall live in the same small town right next to each other here to do something about all this. Who knows? And, and Stephen Pigeon, too. He lives near us. Yes, uh, Stephen Pigeon is an, uh, uh, an attorney in Everett who is literally uh, spearheading the class action lawsuit against the governor for unconstitutional activity and shutting down the entire state. So, yeah, we've got some good uh, activists out in this neck of the woods as well. And Patriots, too, though. Don't forget that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, and with, with the Chaz Chop situation uh, going on, do you think that instead of asking for, um, like, sunglasses, uh, some of the other stuff that Tina mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, that maybe they should be sent copies of, say, Gulag Archipelago to find out what, what they're really advocating for. Well, can they read, though? I mean, really. <laughs> or will they read? Yeah. Uh, that, I mean... That, yeah, it, it, yeah, you know, Michael, can, are, are you able to send any of your uh, Puget Sound Christian College professors there to h- help them to understand 1984 and one day in the life of Ivan Denisovich? Well, you know, you know who I'd like to send is uh, Dr. Stephen Pigeon, who not only is he an attorney at JD, he is a uh, Ph.D. biblical scholar as well. Um, and literally, um, 
uh, a Middle Eastern uh, uh, scriptural uh, scholar, that guy would be able to give you some long-term effects of what's going on here on the planet, uh, given his background as well. So, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. You know, there, the one, one last conspiracy theory I need to throw out here, just so we can get it on the record, uh, Mark, on your show. I'd like to do that. Is that uh, yeah, there you. is a there is a buzz out there that literally there's a false flag event coming down the road where at one point, if indeed uh, President Trump has to call out uh, the National Guard to quell some of these uh, zones, autonomous zones around the United States, including Seattle, that uh, there could be um, uh, inserted into the uh, the troops, for instance, or uh, not even inserted into the troops, but just, for instance, like the Las Vegas shooter kind of a thing, sniper things, of uh, literally hundreds and thousands of people being uh, killed in the uh, put-down of the resurrection unnecessarily, not by the guard, but by this false flag movement to uh, try to uh, bring down uh, the government and uh, foment more uh, unrest as well. There's always that false flag you have to keep in the back of your mind um, about things that could get worse even before I'm more worried. I'm more worried about a communist coup than the National Guard coming in. But how do you know, like the four of us sit around talk about stuff like this and the uh, government has all these other gadgets to figure all this stuff out, and it's still allowed to happen. They're letting it happen here. Yes, they are. But they're they're not. They're communist sympathizers. The government in Seattle, they are. This is the result of 50 years of indoctrination. Yeah, and again, I, I I go to the point that I think it's even bigger than than a communist conspiracy. I think it's the one world order, basically, uh, that might well, yeah. be using that kind of stuff, you know, to get there. That seems That's the a biblical Union, prophecy. The Soviet Union was like the new world order. That was an experiment. China is like the new world order, new um, two point oh. Yeah, two point exactly. So it is. It's communism and New World Order does tie in together. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah fascinating I, stuff. Well, it's scary. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't want to live. I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, I. I uh, I'm not a supporter of NWO but uh you know with the the protesters who are out there for you know, the social justice um you know, I I understand that you know I I've been through, through that situation, you know, family member you know, who uh, died from neglect, uh, you know, police neglect, and you know there was a related sexual assault 
case uh, uh, where the cops uh, just didn't do their jobs. Um, I, I, you know, so I, I understand where they're coming from, and you know, there's the uh, Congressional Black Caucus that made some recommendations and. Um, you know, like the uh, no uh, hold, uh, 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 ban the no uh, or ban uh, choke holds, and uh, uh, let's see, uh, they also uh, you know they made some other insightful um, recommendations, toughen use of force standards, lower police immunity protections. Yeah, uh, I'm all. All, all for that because I, you know, I've been uh, affected by the two. I, I, I'm on their side, but some, but the introduction of some of the implementation of um, this other ideology, um, I, 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 I can't support that, but I, I do support. What the Congressional Black Caucus has recommended. So, well, I don't think any of us support. I mean, we don't support racism, and we're lawyers. I mean, there's equal protection. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. everyone's supposed to be treated equally and fairly. That's fine, but I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not for an overthrow of our government. So. No, I, I, that that was basically where I was going. I, I'm not supporting an overthrow. You know, enough. Uh, uh, no government's perfect. Um, I mean, I think but, it's strayed too far from the Constitution. That's my beef with it. Like, it needs to go back to what the founders envisioned. It has just gone way, like, <laughs> strayed so far away from what they wanted and. And we're having problems because of it. I mean, a big problem is the the money system, but that's another story. But yeah, what? Uh, yeah, you get. You know, wonder what, you know, like the colonial fathers or the you know founding fathers who were scientists, like Ben Franklin. You get Benjamin Rush, Thomas Jefferson in there. I wonder what they would have to say about th- this science that's being passed off today that is l- linked to an agenda. I, I, it's, I, 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 I just wonder if those three examples were alive today, I um, wonder what they'd have to say. Well, I don't think Thomas Jefferson would support forced vaccines. Not in a million years. <laughs> yeah. And I can see uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, echoing the words of Judy uh, Mikovich right now. <laughs> and a lot of the other uh, a lot of the other uh, physicians that have come out of the woodwork, you know, right from the beginning, right from the get go saying, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Uh, this uh, virus uh, seems to be, uh, you know, acting like many other viruses. Uh, that we've uh, dealt with, you know, throughout the 
the eons that humans have been on the planet, and uh, it is going to take its course. It's going to run it through, run through the herd immunity. It's going to die off. And if you want to flatten the curve by using social distancing, what you're going to do is you're going to spread it out farther and make it last longer. And obviously, then the damage is going to be greater. So I can see the founding fathers uh, as scientists going, this is crazy. And wearing the masks, and you're just breathing your own carbon dioxide. Then you get the people, you know, you've seen the people driving around in a car by themselves wearing a mask. And that's why you have all these people talking about, uh, you know, they cause themselves to pass out while driving. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a matter of fact. That's you know, a hazard. If you, That's to be like, you can't do that. You can't drink and drive. Don't wear a mask and drive, you know. <laughs> and, of course, the, the whole idea of wearing a mask is, is basically if you've got the uh, virus, not to spread it. Not that if you're a healthy human being, you shouldn't uh, uh, reduce your oxygen level by wearing a mask uh, and uh, making yourself more susceptible to getting it. Right. Plus, it's like a muzzle. There you go. And you know, <laughs> if, if I go, and I, you know, I like to smile at people. Nobody can tell if I'm smiling, so that's restricting my First Amendment right to communicate a smile. I don't like that. <laughs> and you have a okay, wonderful why? smile. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tina, how about if? You bring your smile in about uh, three weeks, and we start to kind of wrap up the show and you know, get, giving a little plug for Plastic Maca. And, uh, you know, that hopefully that'll put a smile on your face. And Michael, you can plug uh, your spaced out radio show and anything else. We have about two minutes. Oh, you want to go first? Like that. I'll plug Plastic Market and the splitting image because they talk about doubles and how people are fooled by imposters. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where do you and get I'll the books? You. Oh, Amazon. And as a matter of fact, uh, the the Plastic Maca book about Paul McCartney being killed in 1966 or dying in 1966 mysteriously uh, is a, a exhaustive study. Tina Foster has done an amazing job on that book literally coming up with forensic evidence of biometrics, comparing the face uh-huh. before and after that period of time, voice print analysis. So you're not going to just be watching or listening to a, a novel you know, kind of idea. This is like a very well-researched book. So you've got to pick that one up. Um, if anybody wants to listen into to uh, Sunday nights for Spaced Out Sundays, all i got to do is go to Spreaker. Um, 9 a 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every Sunday night. And that's where we talk about weird stuff. And we have Thank our you, Art Squad meeting too tomorrow. Yes, and we the, do. Uh, we uh, have our conspiracy club meeting as well. The Odd Squad. <laughs> uh, Normally, okay. Well, okay. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it uh, up there. And I just want to thank you for being guests and. Hey, uh, we'll see everyone uh, tomorrow night, Thursday and Friday as well. So, uh, Barbara, you can uh, wrap up the show. Thank you again, listeners.